Pokémon. Okay, we need to start. It's 10.36. Oh, God, yeah. Tyler can come over at 11. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> the fucking intro. But this is important because this first intro is like everyone's first taste. No, agreed, agreed. So go, go. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hello. This is Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? Welcome. Uh, this is going to give you all of your spooky and true crime sexual needs this past hour or this next hour. Yeah. So go ahead, sit down, light some candles, pull out the lube, and get ready to get your titties in a twist. Don't worry if it's your first time. It's, it's our, our first, first time. time too. Mm-hmm. Everyone's nervous. It might bleed and bleed a little bit. It might be a little painful, a little awkward, but we'll get through it together. Yeah. Just hold our hands, make direct eye contact, and <laughs> whisper sweet nothings, and here we go. Or don't make direct eye contact. It's okay. You do you. It's not gay if you make eye contact. It's not gay. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's fucking Bible. Uh, so <laughs> we are your hosts. My name is Chana. I'm Corey. And uh, we are best fucking friends. We've been wanting to do a podcast for about a year now. Yes. Um, we've been friends for almost five years. It'll be five years since October. Yes. Um, currently, it is July. We are going to Pride next week. Yeah, we're yes. so excited. Yes. Yes, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Pride, Pride. Whatever you do, you gotta, you gotta stay, stay true. true. We're going to San Diego. San Diego. A whale's vagina. Um, so we're going to have a fuckload of fun. So we're recording this podcast before we go, mm-hmm. and then... It's my birthday ride for that, mm-hmm. and then August, and then fucking Halloween, so get ready. So our lives are awesome. Mm-hmm. So if you hear something in the background, like a little like whoosh, it's because it's raining off and on, so that's cool. It's a little spooky Yeah. for it's... our spooky little podcast that we have here. Satan is blessing us with rain. Yes. Thank um, you, Satan. Today. So anyways, How's Your Sex Life, uh, like I mentioned earlier, is a true crime and supernatural podcast. Corey is handling the supernatural aspect. Um, yeah. And I'm handling the true crime, and my cats are handling the cuteness factor. So we pretty much have everything you've ever needed. We have a hot gay man, yes. a pretty hot bisexual girl, two kitties, so one So you agree, fat. you think you're really pretty. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you want to do something fun? Do you want to record a podcast? <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> uh, this podcast is also brought to you by Champagne. Champagne. Keeps the um, world going round. Since 1859, Cooks. This Thank one. Thank you. Thank you, Cooks. Is a Yes. Because I definitely am classy. Mm-hmm. And it's too dark for me to read because I am blind. So I couldn't tell you what year this is. Probably yeah, a 2016. Something very vintage. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm doing the um, the spooky part, the supernatural part. I love super- everything supernatural. I love horror movies. Always have loved them. I love goblins, um, ghosts. Uh, demons they're all awesome i think they're really interesting even though i am incredibly terrified of them (laughs) (laughs) it's true i whipped out my i have a custom-made ouija board and i was like when we first met he was like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) it's like fuck that he's like who the fuck is this psycho bitch (laughs) walking into 46 with a ouija board and half bottle half empty bottle of fireball a fireball yeah i was crazy that's what i was 
Um, and I'm doing the true crime section because I grew up watching ID Channel with my mom. It is everything we would do every day. Um, I'd come home from school and we would just like sit in her bed and just watch murder shows and kidnap and rape shows every day, all day, every day. It's very great. I had a great childhood. Because of that, I'm scared of the world, but it's okay. So um, I love talking about serial killers. Ted Bundy is a daddy. Hmm. Uh, uh, he's just amazing, and he'll be being played by Zac Efron soon. What is oh, up? When does that come out? I don't know. Probably hmm. next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely next year. Yeah. So yeah, hit us up, Zac Efron, to come to the premiere, and we'll oh, come yeah. gladly. Oh yeah, we'll come with you. Yeah, I pr- I promise I won't touch you. It's fine. I can't promise Corey won't touch you. <laughs> if I'm not drunk, I can promise that. But no. if I'm drunk, I can't promise that. True. It's Zac Efron. <laughs> yeah. Who can much. promise not to touch Zac Efron? I feel like if, you, if you're Zac Efron, it just comes with the whole package that people touch you. Yeah, you know. Right? right? That's like, I'm pretty sure this is almost a Me Too post In waiting the, to happen this for Zac is, Efron. Yeah. No, it's okay, Zac Efron. I won't touch you. Unless okay, you Zac give Zac me Efron. consent to touch you. All of us have written a Me Too post, so mm-hmm. it's okay, Zac Efron. I won't be responsible for your Me Too post. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the podcast, just so you know how this is going to go. Yes. Um, usually, I will be giving a true crime, supernatural, some kind of cool fact that I find on the good old Google um, or Wikipedia, maybe a wiki how, perhaps. Who knows? Um, and then Corey is going to give us a... Oh, I'm giving us a faggot fact. A faggot fact. Faggot fact. So yeah, if you're um, offended by the, the, the fact that we use faggot... You can fuck right off. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself in the corner. Um, we're both queer. So we feel like we can use that. So we can reappropriate that clip. word. Yeah. So you have a problem with it? Just like turn your music down or turn our podcast down when you park and your windows are down and we say faggot <laughs> out really loud. <laughs> so someone doesn't just look over into your window. But other than that, just deal with it. Sometimes we might call it a queer clip or faggot fact. Mm. It entirely depends how drunk we are. For a minute, for a mi- minute, for a minute, we were trying to be PR, but nah, yeah. we're good. So yeah. So if we say queer clip, it's the same thing. It's yeah. just... A kosher way of saying faggot fact, yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And mine is called Spooky Scoop. Um, then after that, Corey will uh, creep us out with some supernatural shit. Yes. I will make you afraid of humans by giving you some true crime shit. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about uh, some stuff. Yeah, then we'll just like... Shoot the shit. Yeah, talk about our lives, um, talk about what's going on, what we're watching or what we're doing anything we feel and we do that afterwards so if you don't want to hear us you can just turn the fucking podcast off <laughs> yes listen to our spooky stuff and turn yeah, it off listen to spooky stuff and move on but cause... i have to tell you give us a shot we're pretty we're pretty fucking we're pretty funny. fucking fun okay we think we're pretty fucking fun as every person's like going to turn it off right now so if you're about to do that stop so like you think your friend group's the funniest <laughs> our friend group's the funniest <laughs> and you can fuck right off yeah and if you're about to stop listening to the podcast right now just take a breather give us 10 more minutes of your time and you will be hooked i can promise or just do it because we're doing this more for ourselves yeah we're literally doing this for ourselves so you guys can listen to it or not suck my dick yeah suck your dick um and then every month or so we're also going to be doing a combined episode that's we're going to go over something that we both find really interesting for Mm -hmm. example the ed and lorraine warren Ted Bundy, you know, the big, the big classics, like the big cases you always hear about, yeah. whether it's supernatural or true crime. I'll also trying to be do not trying to be not just doing uh, traditional ghost stories. I'll switch around to folklore and then maybe do some like film franchises because I'm a huge film buff. Um, I've been to film school and stuff like that. So um, I know film more than you, just like every other millennial. We're good. Yeah, exactly. And I will be uh, jumping around between kidnappings, murders, rapes. Robin, robberies, robberies. Um, the good stuff, you know, the classic, classic good, true crime, murder shit. Okay, so 
Oh, do, do, you want to jump in? Just like yeah. Okay, let's jump in. Let's just fucking do it. Spit on it and hit it. Let's do it. Let's do a spooky scoop. Let's start with that. Do it. So, uh, my very first sco- spooky scoop. Um, there are six phases of a serial killer's cycle. So the first phase is called the aura phase, and that is when the serial killer begins to lose grip on reality. He starts going fucking crazy. The second is the trolling phase, and that's when the serial killer starts searching for a victim. Third so is when the, the serial killer starts calling people faggots <laughs> online. <laughs> when he's searching, that's called the trolling phase. Um, and then the third phase is the wooing phase, and that's when the killer lures his victim in. For example, Ted Bundy, you know, he'd pretend he had a broken arm and like drop books in front of a girl. She'd like pick up the books to help him. He'd be like, "Can you carry them to my car?" You know, it's just how they lure they lure their victims in, being like, "I'm hurt, this or that." Like, please help, whatever the fuck they do. Um, phase four is the capture phase, and that's where the victim is entrapped. So, using Ted Damn. Bundy as an example again, it's when he would put the um, was like the chloroform over the girls' like noses to make them pass out in the mm-hmm. car, and he would trap them, capture them. Um, the fifth is the murder or totem phase, which is the emotional high for the killer. So that's what he's getting while he's raping or killing or doing whatever he's doing to that body. What's that, that phase high. called again? Sorry. It's the murder or totem the phase. The to- totem? That's interesting. Yes. Why do they use totem, do you think? I'm not sure. Huh. But, um, but yeah, the murder or totem phase, that's the emotional high. And then finally, the last phase is the depression phase, which occurs after the killing. Because they just reach such an all-time high yeah. after yeah. the... They're just immediately looking for more. Yeah, they're immediately, they're super depressed, and that feeling's gone. And so then it starts the um, cycle back over again. Well, I guess then it would start at phase two, which is the trolling phase. Because hmm, so, the phase one is when they go crazy. They're already crazy at that point. So, um, th- so those are the six phases of a classic serial killer. So if you know someone that's going through any of those phases, run. <laughs> run the fuck away. <laughs> And if they're beyond two, it's too late. Yeah, if you're beyond two, <laughs> just consider yourself fucked. Go write a will. Go, like, tell your mom you love her and just go enjoy your last day. Get a crack open a cold one with the boys because you're fucked. And if Good. you're a serial killer listening to this, hello, my name is Channa. Don't I'm ever talk my head to right me. now. I'm like, <laughs> Corey's like, don't tell them where we are. Don't, <laughs> don't you shut your horn around, Channa. I'm like, my address is 666 South. State 420 Street. Blaze at Faggot Street. 420 Blaze at Faggot Street, Salt Lake City, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Salt Lake City, Colorado. So go figure out where I live. Do I live in Utah or Colorado? <laughs> you can find out very easily on my Instagram. Oh, shit. That's I'm true. scared. I'm scared. Okay, so my faggot fact, uh, because we're going to Pride in two days, um, is the history of Pride. It's just a very brief little history, and it's just about the beginning of it. So let's jump right in. Yes. Before Pride in the 1950s and 60s, there were groups that would pop up around the country um, that were promoting tolerance and awareness of the LGBT community and um, also raising awareness of the lack of rights that that we had. Um, these groups are referred to as homophile groups because that's a dated term for homosexual. So whenever you would, t- like, even just talking about the history of gays or history of, like, uh, homosexuality in mm. America, you would just say those were homophile groups because mm. that was a dated term. Mm. Um, then on Stonewall, or or sorry, then on June 28th in 1969, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons rioted following a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar on 43rd uh, Christopher Street in New York City. This riot and further protests and rioting over the follow nights were uh, like the pivotal moment that started the LGBTQ rights movement. 
later, a few months later, or about five months later, um, in November, uh, there was a regional conference of these homophile groups in, like, I think it was in Pennsylvania. And Craig Roberts, his partner, Fred uh, Sargent, Ellen Brody, and Linda Rhodes, they, they proposed that the first Pride March to there should be a, a pride march to be held in New York City yeah. and for it to be called the Christopher Street Liberation Day. And that's because the Stonewall Inn was on Christopher Street. Oh, cool. So it wasn't called a pride march at this time. It was just they wanted to do a parade or march to, uh, sorry, I had a burp, sorry, commemorate <laughs> that moment. So during this planning, there's a specific woman named Brenda Howard, and she's known as the mother of pride. Brenda. She's like Debbie from Queer as Folk. Oh my gosh. No, that's exactly who I thought of. Cute. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, Brenda. I was like, oh, Debbie. Oh. Me and like now. <laughs> <laughs> like tomorrow, today, yesterday. Right. She's known as the mother of pride for her work in, co- in coordinating the march. She originated the idea to make, instead of pride just being that one parade for it to be like a week long or a few day long mm-hmm. thing with like a bunch of activities and stuff. Cute. And as we know, that's still the structure that we all... Pride upheld weekend. today uphold today because uh, we fucking love to party because we're gays yeah and additionally her, uh, she and two others are credited with popularizing the word pride to describe uh the Cute. festival or to dis- describe the parade yeah it's really cool also um there's a there's a guy who's like a present lgbt uh rights activist his name is uh tom and then it's like a last name i'm gonna try it it's so daddy just, yeah tom daddy um, uh, he wrote about her. He said, the next time someone asks you why LGBT pride march marches exist or why pride month is in June, tell them a bisexual woman named Brenda Howard thought it should be. <laughs> I thought that was cute. That was like a cute little, it's like a matter of fact, like, yeah, it was like, bitch, she was, she was a part of it. So thank you everybody like for organizing that. And then thank you, Brenda Howard, uh, specifically. So the Christopher uh, street liberation day parade or the first pride was held on June 28th in 1970, marking the first anniversary of the Stonewall Riots and was the first gay pride march in U.S. history. The next year, great gay pride marches took place in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. And then from there on out, it sort of evolved into what it is today. Yes. Yeah. So that's a little history of pride for you. I love it. I love it so much. So today I am doing um, the Sally House. Um, some people just know it just by that. Oh, Boost is kicking me, you little cutie. So yeah, it's called the Sally House. This is a traditional haunting um, that involves a demon. It may or may not involve a demon that is speculated, Um, but we'll get. It definitely involves like some crazy shit. Oh, it's always a demon. Yeah, right. It's always a demon. Fuck that. Like, Like, whoever says it's not a demon is stupid. Yeah, I think you'll fuck around. What's scarier, people faking incidents or demons? Demons. The demons. Demons are scarier. <laughs> you fucking bitch. The demons. You fucking cunt. We're it's quoting Conjuring, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, it's Conjuring Two. Yes, Conjuring Two. So, so mind about the Sally House. It is um, in a small town in Atchison, Atchison, yeah, Atchison, Kansas. There is one of the one of the country's most well-known haunted houses. It fits uh, it sits on uh, 508 North Second Street, and it is called the Sally House. It was coined. During the uh, documented haunting that occurred while Deborah and Tony Pickman lived there in the 1990s. Yes. Um, over the years, the the house has been um, the subject of many like little YouTube videos and documentaries. There's a ton of, of YouTube videos about people going in even even today. Ooh, cool. And there's like made for TV documentaries that have been posted um, or not posted. My God, <laughs> have have been aired on like the Discovery Channel or something oh, like that. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Um, so the name the Sally House comes from the story in which a young six-year-old girl named Sally tragically dies in the house during an operation. Bye, Sally. And we'll jump right into that. And then we'll we'll come back to her later. Bye, Sally. But, so the, the house was built between 1867 and 1871 by Michael uh, Finney. Um, the father... Uh, he, uh, he was a father. Sorry, God. He was a father. And he was also a the local doctor. And a dad. Um, and his practice was on the lower level in the basement while the family lived on the ground floor and the upper level. So um, him and his two, or him and his wife and his two sons and a daughter uh, lived there. And the wife was pregnant at the time. So the legend that, uh, I, I say legend because there's some speculation between actually what happened. So right off the bat, Classic. right off the bat, you know, it's a legend. Yeah. Um, so the legend is, is that the girl, Sally, who I will get to how she's encountered later in real life. Um, the legend has it that one morning, Sally uh, was like a, a little girl, was like six or seven years old, and she was taken to the house to be operated on by Michael Finney, the doctor. And okay. so his operation room is down in the basement. So they take him, her into the house, and she had appendicitis, and her appendix was about to burst. Ooh. So the discrepancy is either Michael, the doctor, thought that, um, oh my gosh, she's about to die, so I need to operate real quick, so I have to just go in. You have to hold, you know, somebody had to hold her down while he went in with any, without any anesthesia. Holy shit. And had to operate on her before her appendix burst. Or, which I accept a little bit more because this was more prevalent, the story is that she went in, freaked out when she saw all of the, like, all of the medical equipment. And I guess the, you know, the night or the 1871, 1870s, 60s medical equipment. Yes, the, it was like cocaine. The 19th century medical equipment. Yeah. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so Jesus. she freaked out. They put her under with anesthetics, but then the anesthetics weren't enough. So she wakes up during the, <gasps> the operation. So it, it's, I feel like it's that's sort of more a, likely. yeah, and that's more cool and scary, I think, just yeah. to be put under. And so... The story is, is that she wakes up or she's fighting so much during the surgery because she hurts and she wake you know and and she's being operated and the anesthetics aren't working and she freaks out thrashes about a ton and dies and she dies thinking that this man is torturing her oh because my she God. doesn't really understand you know she's seven or you know six or seven yeah, or eight and she know. doesn't understand what appendicitis is and yeah. stuff like that he's just causing her pain yeah yeah wild. That's sort of legend that goes with her and why why she possibly could be a vengeful spirit or something like that. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So um, a few years later in 18 uh, – or a couple years later in 1872, just about a year and a half after the house is fully built, Michael dies, uh, the father. Bye, Michael. And he leaves behind the pregnant, a pregnant wife, Kate, and two sons and a daughter. Um, uh, about a year later in 1873 – Richard was born, the, the unburned child, and he dies. And okay. then uh, Kate's father, Damn. who was living with them, also dies. Damn. So that's three deaths in just a little under a year. Damn. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, and then about 27 years later in 1900, James, who's the oldest son, dies of paralysis of the brain. And then so now all we have on the property is Charles, one of the sons, Agnes, one, the only daughter. And then they're living with their wid widowed mother, uh, Kate. So um, uh, Charles followed his father's footsteps and became a doctor. And while he was there, he was taking care of, he eventually started taking care of Agnes's husband. So Agnes, Agnes, who is the daughter, she had married a guy named William. And sadly, about three years after they got married, he suffered a stroke and Ugh. it gave him paralysis. Ugh. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So they took him to the, they were living somewhere else and they took him to the house, um, the which is the Sally house. And um, he lived there for three years and then eventually just died. 
God of, damn. I don't know what kind of causes. I forget. It's whatever. Spooky ones. Yeah, spooky causes. Obviously. Just think they're spooky. <laughs> Later that year, um, Agnes's mother also died from septicemia caused by gangrene. But I think she's pretty old by then, but especially for the time. Yeah. And um, so then it's just uh, Agnes and Charles. And Agnes, she dies um, on November 28th in 1939, but she died at midnight. Ooh, like it literally says, it says, there's a lot of detail into how they died and like the exact dates and why they died. I just sort of skimmed over because it's not super important. Yeah. But um, this one, it literally, all it says is, it says Agnes Finney lived in the Sally house until November 28th, 1939, where she died at midnight. (laughs) It was really cool. Um, and then the last Finney to live there on the property was Charles and he died at 19 in 1947. Also at midnight? No, it just says he just died. It actually doesn't specify what happened to him. Um, between 1984 or sorry, 1948 and 1959, there were a number of families that lived in the house, but, uh, we don't know anything or I didn't find anything of any weird activity or weird deaths or murders or whatever. The only thing that's a little peculiar is that there are quick turnovers. There's just many people coming through and leaving quickly. Um, And then from 1959 to 1990, there was a a widow by the name of Ethel Anderson. Ethel, that's such like an old lady widow Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, that's like an old lady. Like, it even sounds older than 1948. Like, when I become a widow, (laughs) I'm going to just change my name to Ethel. I will no right. longer be Janet. I'm going to be Ethel. No, my Ethel. name is not Jenna. I'm Ethel. Ethel I'll, I'll change my name to George because I was supposed to be named George. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to be named George. <laughs> Fucking hell. <like that>. No. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Corey would be straight right now. Corey I would be, be straight, straight and, and none of y'all would be my friend. Yeah. And I'd be okay with it because my name's George. <laughs> he, George has no idea what he's missing out. <laughs> Sorry if your name's George. <laughs> but chances are you're straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're missing out on a Chana, So right. <laughs> change your name to Corey immediately. Um, so Ethel lived in the house and, and there, it's unclear if she ever experienced any activity. So I'm probably sure she didn't because there isn't, there aren't any reports of that happen. Um, so the reason I give you this little quick backstory is because all these people that I've mentioned that have died. So all of the Finney family, they are, uh, they have been documented in one form or another, whether through EVP or, uh, mostly EVP, I guess. Um, they've just been documented during paranormal, paranormal investigations within the house. So their spirits have been documented as being in the house. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I give up that little backstory. So, uh, let's get to the good stuff. So enter uh, Tony and Deborah Pickman, Tony Tony and Deborah. They're a a young couple in their early twenties, like, I don't know, 22, 23, that area. Um, and they, they released, were recently married and expecting their first child to be born in, in June of 1993. So they move in on December 31st of 1992. And they move into the house. Okay. So they move into the house. She's about to have the baby. And they're like, yay, this is cool. We're adults in our early 20s getting it on because we're not millennials. So we have money. We can do it. <laughs> so um, as usual, the activity True. begins a little slowly. Uh, things were a little bit strange. Uh, but they didn't say they, they noticed anything. They say the first thing that they noticed uh, was right off the bat was when they came into the house, even from day one, that the dog would bark at the threshold of oh, their nursery. No. Like it was totally fine walking throughout the house. And then it would like if it got near the door or the threshold in, to go into the nursery, it would just stop and start barking. At you know, it. fuck that. Like, what the fuck? That doesn't move. <laughs> like if Toulouse was like, meow. And like one specific room, and like yeah, yeah, and like he would just go to it and go like, yeah. like hiss at it. When he got like scared to I'd be like, we're cat. never going into that room. You want to go into the room? I'd be like, Jordan, we're moving. We're moving. It's the last time. <laughs> uh, so their cats would frantically follow something that darted over the couple's heads. So totally Simone, all day, every day. 
And um, often they would hear the timer on their microwave or stove that it would sound like it had just been set or it had just reached the end of its cycle. Oh, so, that's spooky. Yeah, so it'd be like a lot of beeps of like, okay, like I'm preheated or something like that. Um, like also, most almost. nights while sitting in the living room watching TV, the lights would, would dim. Like they'd be sitting, watching TV. None of the, like, you know, the TV's on, there's a lamp on, the, you know, the light in the kitchen's on. But specifically the light in, in, the, in the living room would just start dimming. Does, does and it, it would have get... a dimmer? Do dimmers exist? No, no, no. There? So they even they even specifically say that the like they they specifically said there was no dimmer available for the light. But it was specifically just the living room might be dimmed down. And they even wrote um they wrote lol uh I said lol the website says that Tony made the comment, ha, we must have ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so so the husband's like, ha, we probably have ghosts. And they fucking <laughs> did have ghosts. Sorry, so yeah, a, a good portion of, of this information that I'm taking from or like where I'm getting some of my information is from the official website. It's called like the official Sally house website. And it is the Pikmins. They had have like done a whole website of their account of living with this ghost slash demon slash vengeful spirit, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, so you should go visit it. We could put it on our Twitters or whatever. It'll be on an Instagram post. Yeah. Instagram post. Also, yeah. side note for a second, I thought Corey was going to say, just to let you all know, I got all this information from Wikipedia. So if you oh, guys... oh God, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, like if you guys want to know, I got it all from a, a Instagram video. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, we have lives, we do. so we use Wiki. Okay, right. You understand? I use WikiHow. WikiHow, how to do podcast help. <laughs> <laughs> Get microphone. Step one. <laughs> and we did. So both Deborah and Tony uh, detect uh, cold spots on the stairs or in the front door, and they said they would happen daily and continue the entire time that they lived there. Um, things that they turned on would turn off, vice versa, and also the couple started finding mold on strange things in the house, and they they gave specific examples. They'd find it on the Tupperware specifically, pots and pans, magnets on the refrigerator. Oh, that's weird. And then, and then they would say dog food in the dog bowl of which had been poured that morning what the so they fuck? said they would like pour the dog food and then by the time they'd come home from work there'd be mold on it no yeah so it's specifically no, like not weird. oh we, you know stuff that we've left there forever like you know if you said you you said you found mold on your tupperware and freaked out that it was a demon i'd be like no it's just tupperware uh, okay skeptics <laughs> out there please try to tell me how the fuck that could happen yeah how the fuck does that happen? fuck you ghosts are real <laughs> So, um, so that's sort of the stuff that happened over the first four months. Um, and some of, most of that actually continued the entire time that they were living there. But let's get into like the real, like where the shit starts. The meat the and potatoes. Yeah. I think if, hmm, if, if that stuff started happening while I was living in the place that I was living in, I would probably have already left when the dog barked at the threshold. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> if my dog specifically barked at one threshold, it'd be like, fuck that. We're done. We're moving on. <laughs> so... In spite of these warnings, uh, they prepared the house for their newborn, and the newborn came in June um, of 1993. So when they brought when they brought their son home, he they said that he would wake up literally every hour, but like clockwork. So oh. I know babies wake up a lot during the night. I d- I think of waking every hour is a little bit peculiar, and then they said it would be like clockwork, like specifically. Like, wake up an hour, 60 minutes later, he woke up and would be crying. That's like to lose like to me that. every night getting food. Yeah. Oh, Which I think booze. he's doing literally right now. Oh, is he is he eating or is he scratching? I can't tell. He's not scratching booze? anymore. We hear, yes. He's like, yeah. I'm like, ah! And then we all die. <laughs> I'm like, this podcast will never be published. This is brought to you by uh, Valak. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Valak. 
Um, and also on top of that, they sort of realized that the epicenter of this activity seemed to be the nursery. I mean, go figure. The dog is barking at the threshold, <laughs> going batshit crazy and stuff. So um, they said at times they'd be using their phone. And when they would be talking with somebody on the phone and they'd walk in the nursery, it would immediately start uh, ah, cutting out. No. And then the second they'd walk out of the room, it would it would be totally fine. No, that's... Spooky. And they'd be like, oh, shit, like I was just in the nursery and it didn't work in there. That's um, Also, which is really crazy, is electronic toys would seem to have a mind of their own as they would randomly turn off and on whenever they wanted. And um, the wife, Deborah, even reports that it would emit sounds and hums that they shouldn't have, like they weren't programmed to. So it would play like different sounds or notes or something like that that weren't programmed into oh. it. And then that she said she would even hear distant echoing voices. <gasps> like distant echoing voices in, I don't know, like the, you know, the Elmo doll or whatever, you know, Fuck shit like you. that. Fuck you. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's she, scary. <laughs> um, from a personal note on the profile, she says, I look back and wish I had known about EVP. <laughs> <laughs> Same girl. Okay. Same girl. We've all been there. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> So then there's something that they call the bear incident Ooh, <laughs> in July. We so this all... is July. This has been six to seven or seven months since they moved in. And there hasn't been any any main activity, any like big events until tonight. Like this is the big first event that happened. Deborah's sister, Karen, had come over to help them just take care of the baby, Fucking you know, Karen. visit the bait, her, you know, her nephew and see how her sister and her brother-in-law are doing. Not great. So they're sitting down one night watching scary movies. They said particularly scary movies because, you know, they're their early 20s. They're basically us. us. You yeah. know, it's us. Um, except for we were smart and didn't have children. Yeah. And so we have cats. <laughs> yeah. And we're also poor because we didn't, we can't buy a house. And eventually I'm buying a dog. So uh, who's yes. winning in life? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they're sitting down and they're watching uh, some scary movie and Toby gets up. Toby's the husband. He gets up to go uh, check on their son. And he, they say that he yells down at them to come up, like excitedly is like, hey, come up and look at this, like oh, what's going God. on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verbatim what Deborah said, said happened. She said, we got to the nursery and all the stuffed animals have been placed on the floor in the middle of the room. In addition, they had been neatly organized into a circle. What? Their backs snuggled up against each other, facing forward. What the As I start, so they're like all huddled in the middle, facing outward. What the Like fuck? looking around the room. As I stared at this display, I got a really weird chill, chill down oh, my shit, back. Oh shit, lady! So, um, so they all put the they put the bears back, and there's one bear that's specific. That's the biggest bear that mm-hmm. is also like intended specifically for the child. You know, you know, you have one specific big bear, yeah, big has bear like, or big stuffed animal. Has that's, like leather that the daddy child straps loves. and stuff. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, yeah. It's uh-huh. the big bear. It has like you know an entry hole oh, and stuff look like at that. Simone. Little Simone bones. Hi, Simone. Do you like our fort? Don't jump on it. No, Simone. girl, girl, Simone, girl. No, you always throw that thing in fort. Sorry, y'all, stand by. Simone. She's trying to knock our our tent, our blanket fort down. Simone, get that look off your face. She's like, fuck y'all. Come here, Simone. So, um, <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, God. Sorry, sorry, she's like, sorry, distracted again by the kitties. She's it's all fine. Fuck this shit up. So, um, they start to go back downstairs. And while they go downstairs, Karen looks back up, the sister, and she's like, whoa, y'all turned the light off, right? Because the light's on. And Toby's like, I definitely turned the light off. So they go back upstairs, look in the room. All the stuffed animals are where they were, except for that main one bear that that had been placed on their wicker rocking chair. Uh That main one bear was all by itself in the middle of the room, face down on the floor. 
And that's like, and and so she what? says this was really threatening to her because that bear is identified as like their son's bear. This is the one that was mainly gifted to him and is like his favorite bear. Well, I've chilled my entire fucking yeah. body right now. So um, Holy they put shit. the bear back and they go downstairs and they're extremely like freaked out the entire night. So they're just sort of like they start to watch random TV, um, and then finally. Um, Deborah has to go pee, so she goes upstairs Deborah, to go you pee. Dumb bitch. I don't know why had she, she had to go upstairs. Maybe it's just a little house like that where she had to go upstairs. I don't know. You're fucked, Deborah. So they had she had to go upstairs, and the other two like stand at the bottom of the stairs waiting for her just to give her moral support. I would like force and, Jordan to come with me. I'd be like, no, yeah, uh, uh-uh. I'd be like, you are you're gonna or watch I just, me pee. I, I don't just care. like pee in the corner. No, I'm, right? Like, I'm not dealing. with I'm that like, shit. can someone like stare at me? Can we make eye contact while I pee? Like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so scared right now. So she goes up and she goes pee. Everything works out fine. And then she goes and she checks the room. The, the lights are off, thankfully. She goes and she checks the room and the bear is back in the middle of the room, face down on the floor. Yeah. So they the they get extremely scared. They say they like put all the, they get some mattresses from a guest room and they put it in the main room. And then the sister, Deborah, sleeps on the floor in their master bedroom. Or, sorry, Deborah, Karen. While Deborah and Toby like sleep in their master, you know, their, their, their bed Jesus Christ. You know, in the master bedroom. I hope they brought their son into the room with them. Um, it, They didn't. That's not accounted. I'm pretty sure they would. But that, I I, would. they didn't really talk about that. Um, So the next day, Karen uh, leaves and goes back home. And then Greg, Tony's brother, walks around the house asking questions to the ether because they're stupid and taking pictures. He's like, send nudes. Yeah. So um, he says he focused uh, on a bear, on that big, that big bear, that same bear. What's that noise? I freaked out. What the fuck? What the freak is that? <laughs> I'm scared. That's not a cat noise. What the fuck? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Samo? It sounded like like someone's going like. Yeah, it sounded like. Oh, it's so scary. Oh, God, you're, you're back. What the fuck is that, Joe? What the fuck? <laughs> We're going to die. I'm so- Okay, we're continuing. We're ignoring it. We're continuing. I'm a pretty, I'm pretty freaked you out. You know they're just doing normal cat shit, but we're like, what the fuck? No, is that's that? not. No, Simone's on the bed staring at me. Oh God, no. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so Karen leaves, and Greg, Tony's brother, is walking around the house. What the fuck oh is God, that? Corey. Oh, is that rain? Oh. Please. It must be like it's, wind. It must be windy, and the rain is hitting the window. If God or Satan or whoever the fuck is real, listening, Jesus please Christ, that's actually sorry. We are not making a show, guys. This, that's a little freaky. It's like eleven seventeen p.m. It sounds like things are like cracking or like nails are like. No, it it it, it can sound. It sounds pretty much like to me. It sounds like rain hitting a window. Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe it's Toulouse doing the scratching post. No, he's not in the room. <laughs> The scratching pose in the living room, though. It wouldn't be that loud. Yeah, whatever. We're good. We're not dying yet. It's fine. Here, not yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the next, uh, yeah. So Karen leaves. Greg's brother is running around, running around the house, taking pictures and asking questions to whatever. He says he focuses on the bear, and uh, he says, "If you're here, do you want to have your picture taken?" And then he takes a picture of the bear. And it is said that when he takes a picture of the bear, the bear spun and started spinning. Whoa. So there's a picture I have. I can't show it to you because there's not enough room for me to turn around this, this around and it show you. It will be on our Instagram. But it will be on our Instagram. Yeah, um, I can just Google it. What is it? What should I Google? So if you Sally just if you, if you t- type 
Sally house and then just type like a bear picture. Maybe that'll show up. You can't tell it's a bear because it's like fuzzed out and spinning around. But it looks like it's, it, it, I don't know, there's a couple pictures like that. So All that's popping up is Bear in the Big Blue House. No, yeah. Fuck which it. is like a TV fuck show it, we'll I watched on. when I was a child. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that happens and that freaks them out. So they, they get the baby and they actually take from this point or not this point on all the time, but for a good point of time, they take the baby out of the house and they have it stay with Tony's parents because Tony's Smart. parents live in the town because Tony grew up in the town. Smart. So as they're trying to get the baby ready and everything, uh, him out of the house, collect everybody together and get in the car, Tony starts complaining like, oh, my back hurts, my back hurts. So when they get into the car, he's like, dang, my back really hurts. Deborah, can you just check my back? Deborah checks his back, and there's three claw marks Ooh, going down his that's back. Like my back. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's like your story. Holy yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. A uh, uh, boost, boost is whining. Oh, to Liz. Should we let him in? He can't come in. It's closed. oh yeah, we'll have to let, maybe let him in. Let him in. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so he's uh, Deborah sees that there's three claw marks down his back, Fucking and hell. this is something that continues multiple times throughout. That's just Simone. Uh, that's, that's something that happens multiple times and only to Toby throughout the entire time that they're here. Damn. Hey, little Boos. Hi, Boosie. When that happens specifically, um, they then in July, later that month in July, they ask a sky, psychic to come to the house. And when she visits, she tells them, like during her session, she tells them that there's a little girl named Sally who has dis- discomfort in her abdomen. And that's referring Ooh. to the Sally that we brought up in the beginning. Sally. Um, Sally didn't like all of the rules that Deborah had about the house and that she was too strict. And so when the question or when the couple questioned that Sally's negative, like about Sally's negative behavior being the scratching and like spooking them out and stuff like that, um, they and like waking up the baby, the psychic told them that even though she's a ghost, the um, Sally's still a child. So they need to be patient but firm with her so they can like sort of keep her in check okay. and discipline her. And so get this. So the psychic is like, yeah, so like, you know, like maybe give her something that she can, you know, you can connect with her or something like that. So it's like, well, yeah, maybe we should like give her a doll. So they, they sit there and offer her to give her a doll. And the psychic, she said the psychic pauses and then says, yeah, well, all right. As though the, as though the ghost or demon was like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, all right. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll fuck y'all over with that. So they bought her, they bought Sally, whatever it is, a, a doll. Annabelle much? Like, yeah, right? Fucking hell. So um, the psychic also says that Tony, or Tony may have been attacked because Sally doesn't like men or that she might have hey, like been abused. And so that goes back to the legend too, where she was, she thought she was being tortured and that's why she died oh, when she was, uh, you know, cause of the appendicitis and, and stuff he's like, like the that. man of the house and the man of the house was who tortured her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, sure men, um, specifically men in that they house. also know, uh, Deborah notes that that day specifically, she realized uh, when she, uh, that after Barbara, who was the psychic left, uh, the, a candle in the bathroom ignited by itself. Like she went into the bathroom later and there was a candle that was lit all by itself. They lit fam. So over the next few weeks, um, uh, most things are inactive, but then things started to happen again after about a month. Um, there's a strangely melted candles that would happen in the living room. And also she said that one time they found a specific candle that at the base of it, so like around like the bottom two or three inches, there were fingerprints or like, you know, hand and fingerprints 
uh, of like burnt fingerprints into the candle, but they were not the size of a little girl. <laughs> so like that fucking yeah, psychic was lying out her ass. Yeah, they ain't fuck. <laughs> the psychic's like, hmm. She sees the demon. She's like, fuck, these guys are fucked. I'm just gonna yeah, lie right. to them. <laughs> she's like, this demon's giving off a really good, good childlike vibe. I'm gonna go kid. They also even started putting out a sheet of paper with a box of crayons so that they could talk to Sally oh God, and Sally like could talk to them. Yeah, that's like fucking hereditary. And then also in the real account of Annabelle, they did that to Annabelle as well. So we all know this is like total 101 demon shit. That's all I have to say. All I have to say is like 99% of the time when a ghost says it's a ghost, it's not a fucking ghost. Or sorry, if it's a child ghost, it's yeah. not a fucking child ghost. It's a fucking demon. Get the fuck children out. go straight to heaven. Right. <laughs> So they also began taking pictures that would show up as blue masses swirling about or white orbs um, that would like be going up and down the stairs. And then um, on Halloween night, uh, go figure, Tony comes home from work uh, late one night and he goes into their kitchen. He gets a beer or gets something from the fridge and he looks up um, at the entryway from the living room into the fridge and he sees a girl, like just a girl standing there. The count he gives of her is that she had shorter hair um, shorter brown hair pulled up with a bow and that it sat on top of her head. She had a round face and big eyes. She was in a fancy dress of lace, which made it apparent that she was uh, well-to-do or at least well taken care of, but definitely not from this time. Uh, so um, she has a picture that he, there's a picture that he drew of Sally and um, I'll show that to you as well in the future. And we'll post that on our Instagram. It's pretty spooky. And it looks very, it just looks like, you know, textbook, textbook lease yeah, i want to google it so it's, what should i google if you type uh sally house and then picture it'll show up it's a drawing later um that year in christmas so a couple months later they they have a christmas party at the house and they give multiple gifts to children <gasps> See the um Fuck, that's fucked yeah up. isn't it isn't it weird it's it's really creepy when so they have that they have this christmas party and they have a bunch of kids over from the town because the town's sort of small and when the party's over, Tony's brother goes upstairs and, to go to the restroom and sees a mop-headed doll um, on the floor of the hallway on fire. What the <laughs> fuck? So actually, a mop-headed doll is the real-life Annabelle doll, that that Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. Um, that's what was in the middle of the room that was just on fire, on the hallway that was on fire. What the fuck? So Deborah yell, runs upstairs because the, Tony's brother's yelling uh, that there's a fire. She yells and she uh, starts yelling at sally i guess and she says you can't set fires to get our attention and they got out an old oil lamp that they have and then told sally that if she needed to get their attention to light the lamp and not light anything else on fire okay so like specifically told yeah right like specifically told them jesus like oh my god she's like hey you ghost bitch yeah i don't see how people deal with this they just, i would just fucking leave <laughs> like fuck this so the next day was christmas day and the local Santa, Merry because Christmas. it's a small town again, uh, would come by and visit the houses. And she said Santa, when Santa passed by, she in her personal account, she said, Later that day, Santa rang the doorbell and let and I let him in. He stood just a few feet into the living room, and I, holding the baby in my arms, stood in the center of the room about four or five feet in front of him. Not more than a minute or two had passed when Santa Santa's eyes became big and wide. Oh, Looking right past me at something behind me, he was speechless. When I turned around, all I saw was a tower of thick, black, boiling smoke coming out of the old lamp that we had designated oh as Sally's lamp the night before. Oh, God. Yeah. So in her personal, like, in her narration, after that, like, personal narration, she sort of goes into a 
explanation of what may have happened or sort of a little bit more insight. And she explains, she expresses that she feels like the dude saw something else, but would never tell him. Like, sorry, would never tell her what he really saw. But she says all she saw when she turned around was the oil lamp on fire. I'll tell you what he saw. A fucking demon. demon. Yeah, no, but he, but she said like, sorry, I turned around to get my, my alcohols. Same. Uh, So, but he, uh, she says that he just looked way more disturbed than just seeing something randomly. Like, you know, he, he looked more than just excited or surprised. He looked disturbed. Oh my God. Like he had seen something else. Poor Santa Claus. One of the last things that happened to them (laughs) is. Of the many. Yeah, right. One evening they're, they're sitting on the couch and Tony falls asleep and Deborah's just sitting there and she just keeps, you know, she said she just keeps watching TV um, and then all of a sudden, about 20 minutes later after he falls asleep, uh, he jolts up, like literally like, you know, this the top half of his body jolts up out of the couch oh, God. and he looks straight at her and said, and says, he is mine. And he, she says that he did not say it in his, like, it was definitely not his voice. And then he immediately just like laid back down slowly, oh went back to sleep. And she says like, you know, within a half an hour, w- wakes up and had no idea what happened. I have chills on my entire <laughs> fucking body right now. So she said when that happened, after that started to happen, the scratches started getting a little bit more frequent. Um, what's his name? Sorry. Toby would say that he would know exactly when they were going to happen oh. because he would feel cold spots like right around him. And he wouldn't be able to get away from them. And then he would get the scratches on him. Why why didn't they move? Right? No, no. So so this is only a this is October or let me get so this is uh in ninety four. So they've only been in the house for like a year and a half. So just all of that year of 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 ninety four, he this stuff happens and then that put that little possession thing happens. And the scratches become more frequent. The pictures in the walls start flipping upside oh, down. My God. And then they said, because they were taking pictures to see if they could get anything. They said when, like, that the last few months that they were taking pictures in the house, the pictures wouldn't develop. Like, they would they would wait Fuck and that. then just randomly develop whenever they wanted to. Fuck that. Like, they would, like, there was no, like, oh, they it always takes two weeks to develop. No, like, they would go and they would try to get them developed. And they'd be like, hey, these don't work. And then they'd come back like a couple months later and realize that that blank stack was developed now. What? Yeah. That's, uh-huh. so, that's weird. Yeah, that's isn't that weird? Crazy. Um, so they feel like after this happened, especially like the possession that freaked Deborah out, duh, I would yeah. be, I would fucking punch He's my husband. Mine. Yeah, and then run away. They said uh, they left shortly after that in October of 1994. So Good they were only that. in the, how- the house about. A little over a year and a half. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. So yeah. what happened to the house since then? So since then, the the house still is owned by them, I believe. I don't know exactly for this day, but I know up until at least like 2016, 17. Oh, okay. The house is owned by them. I still believe it is. Um, there are many vi- YouTube videos of paranormal investigators going in and getting new footage and stuff like that. I think there's um one from Paranormal Investigators oh, and not them. It's a picture of their stairwell and there's something fuzzy on it. And it's like a really big, um, it's one of like the biggest evidences of a ghost. Ooh, I see. <gasps> yeah, their carpet's like brown. It's like the one that it's almost in my house right now. That's what the fuck? Yeah, but there's something like fuzzy on the yeah, stairs. Yeah, it's like a girl, the white long dress and dark brown hair. Maybe? Running. It looks like that. Oh. I don't know. 
But yeah. Oh, God. So that's scary. happened. There's a lot of like creepy little videos with people going around with those voice boxes. Um, if y'all don't know what voice boxes are, it's a box that that searches around the radio. And what what it what is intended to happen is the um, spirits can influence the radio box and switch it between things to say things. So in a way, it's like Bumblebee and yeah. Transformers. Yeah, it's like demonic Bumblebee, yeah, basically, so, so it's like, like that. So you like go through and you're like, hey, like who's here? And it'll be like, blah, 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 Sally, blah, 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 blah. My reputation. And then it'll like, and then you'll be like, how did you die? And it'll be like, murder. It'll go to something else or something like that. Usually it's not as on the nose, but you know, it works like that. But just listening to it is really disturbing because it's just quickly switching through all of these radio things. And then all of a sudden it becomes super clear for like half a second. And then it goes back to just all these random little radio things. That's so scary. It's really spooky just to even listen to one of them operate. Damn. Like I would just get spooked walking through a dark anything with that. God damn. Um, so also the so the Pikmin still own it. They started this website. They even had those even in nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three, ninety four, there were a couple documentaries that came out about it. And on top of that, even now you can pay you can pay them four hundred dollars to go spend an, a per night to go investigate in the house. I would. I would totally make it an Airbnb. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and then on uh in two thousand sixteen the house went up on Zillow for a million dollars. Which is suspected to be about 15 times the the retail price. Which is surprising because most of the time when houses are haunted, it's less. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like Amityville, for example, they it always sells for much less than what it's actually worth. But I guess that one's yeah. a murder happened there, not a haunting. True. Or murder, you like, no, it fucking happened. Or a haunting, skeptics would be like, yeah, I'll buy it. True. No, yeah. And and that's maybe what they're betting on. Like, I think if I was haunted by a demon, I'd try to like get money out of it. Maybe. Yeah. And especially yeah. like it's become <laughs> such a well-known... It's almost like a fucking landmark at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the Sally house and this and that. That's yeah. Even in, in 2015, they went on ghost adventures and so even the Pikmins both went with them into the house. And, and during that um, shooting, the uh, Tony actually got attacked again. Really? Yeah. Or allegedly. Are whatever. they still together? Uh, Deborah and yeah. Tony? I'm pretty sure they're still together. I'm not super sure, but I think so. Wow. That's fucking scary. Yeah. That's wild. It's cool. So for four hundred dollars a night, we can go like spend the night. Yeah, let's do it. No. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to spend four hundred dollars to just get possessed by a demon. I don't give a fuck. Let's do it <laughs> for a Christmas bonus. <laughs> that sadly happens for three for free. <laughs> right. That's true. Like if I just like open up my Ouija board right now. No. I'll do it. My Ouija board's in storage right now, actually. So my storage Aww. unit is currently it's getting haunted. haunted. So there's definitely a storage unit demon now. Cute. Sorry. Shout out to Noob. Woo woo. Oh, that's a cute little demon. Cute little demon. Uh, well, that's fucking scary. Yeah. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that terrible, terrifying story. Okay, so now let's jump into some true crime, oh, freaky, real life shit. Uh, Corey successfully spooked me. Oh, hello, Toulouse. Right. Hey, goodbye, Toulouse. He's so cute. He just came up just to sniff my hand and then just walked away. <laughs> So in like cat mind, he's like, I must sniff mommy's hand. Uh, okay, so I'm going to, sp- to today talk about David Berkowitz, a.k.a. <laughs> Son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer or Mr. Monster. Yeah. So the reason why I chose this as my first um, episode for Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? 
Um, it's because I love serial killers. I love everything that has to do with serial killers. And I've never heard of the serial killer, which is pretty crazy because the media was just going insane about the serial killer. And not just the media in the United States, the media around the world. So that really sparked my interest because I haven't really heard of him before. And uh, yeah, he's pretty big. And so it's, it's interesting to me yeah, that me I either. haven't never heard, heard of him. him. Um, so we're going to talk about David Berkowitz, Son of Sam, 44 Caliber Kill killer mr monster the names so just to give you a little bit of background richard david falco was born on june 1st 1953 but his mom gave him up a few days later no one really knows why she gave him up people speculate that her mans at the time threatened to leave her if she kept the baby and um she gave it his last name then threw it away uh he was adopted by pearl and nathan berkowitz and that's when he was then named or he went by david berkowitz he grew up as an only child in the Bronx. His childhood was troubled, like most killers. Um, he got into petty theft and arson. His adoptive mom died of breast cancer. His relationship with his adoptive dad became strained when he started dating a new woman. You know, just like that type of shit was going on. He joined the army when he was 17. He served in the U.S. and South Korea, and then he was honorably, honorably discharged in 1974. Um, he eventually found his birth mom and learned about his illegitimate birth. Um, now, for forensic anthropologist Elliot Layton described Berkowitz's discovery of his adoption and his birth as the primary crisis in his life and a revelation that shattered his sense of identity. So because he Damn. learned that his mom had him, gave him up just like that, um, it's what that was the turning point in his life that took yeah. him from a troubled person to a fucked up <laughs> fucked fact. up person yeah fuck so if you're thinking about abandoning your baby maybe don't <laughs> maybe figure out better solutions other than just like throw it on the street um so his very first crime was on christmas of 1975 shit what so he merry christmas so he used a hunting knife to stab two women one victim was never identified by police but the other was a teenager named michelle foreman um, her injuries were serious enough that she, that she had to be hospitalized oh no um at the time berkowitz was not suspected of these crimes after he stabbed those two girls, he moved to an apartment in Yonkers, New York, um, which is just above. Wait, wait, where? New York. Yonkers. Wait, Honkers, New York? Yeah, pretty much. Honkers. For the sake of this podcast, we are now calling Yonkers, New York, Honkers. Honkers, New York. And if you live in Yonkers, New York, fuck you. Yeah. You now live in Fuck Honkers. you. Your place is, your place is Honkers. Because, like, that's more fun. Because mm -hmm. so, the world's too fucked up. To not for that place to not be honkers. I wanna okay, I'm gonna start a GoFundMe to the city of Yonkers. <laughs> to change to change it to, to honkers. To change it to honkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if you are from Yonkers, New York, and you're listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you. Second of all, please email us. <laughs> yeah, please email us and like we're gonna fly you out here yeah. and you're gonna like fucking join our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that was Christmas of nineteen seventy five. So now let's flash forward to July 29th, nineteen seventy six. 110 in the morning, Bronx. Dun, dun, dun. Donna Loria, who's 18, and Jody Valenti, who is 19, were sitting in Johnny's car talking about their night out at the disco. Yes. Donna opened the car to leave. She noticed a man walking towards her in the car. She was startled and said, what the fuck is this? She really said, what is this? Same. Um, and that's when Berkowitz removed a pistol from a paper bag crouched down and shot donna and jody donna was Wait, he crouched down yeah i added that because i thought that was interesting wow like i would imagine he crouched down 
to like to steady his, to steady his, his hand. This yeah. is his first shooting. Okay. So I think he was probably nervous. He like wanted, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. He wanted sense. to make yeah. sure he got a Yeah, who shot? wouldn't be nervous? I think even if you're a psychopath, you're still like yeah, a like, little amped up. It's not about like you're it. stabbing. It's like you're using a gun. You can you might miss. Yeah. So yeah. he whipped out a pistol from paper bag, crouched down, shot them both. Donna was struck by one bullet, died instantly. Damn. Jody was shot in the thigh and survived. Um, he missed the third shot and he ran away. Jody didn't recognize him, but later she described him as a white male in his 30s with fair complexion, about 5'9", weighing 160 pounds. His hair was short, dark, and curly. So the reason I'm giving the description of her vis- of um, who she thought she saw yeah. is it's really important to note this yeah. throughout the next 20 minutes of me talking, or 10 minutes, whatever, because uh, it's... It's very interesting to me all the different accounts that we have. Uh-huh. Um, so then Jody's dad, uh, Jody's dad saw the man, just, and he described him driving a yellow compact car nearby. Neighbors also saw a yellow compact car driving around. So now suddenly we have a, someone that randomly shot two chicks, five nine brunette, driving a yellow compact car. That was in July. Now let's flash forward to October twenty third, nineteen seventy six, in Queens. A very similar shooting happened. Carl DeNaro, who was 20, and Rosemary Keenan, who was 18, was sitting in Keenan's parked car when the window suddenly shattered. Rosemary started driving away. They were such in a panic they didn't really realize someone was shooting at them, and Carl was bleeding from a gunshot wound in the head. There was such panic moments. So, like, the the glass just shattered and they panicked. Yeah, and so she just started driving away. He was so much in a panic, he didn't realize a fucking bullet was in his head. Jesus. Keenan, the girl, Rosemary, she's only... Suffered from superficial injuries from the broken glass, yeah. but Carl obviously, oh, let's see, Carl eventually needed a metal plate to replace a portion of his skull. Whoa, but he survived? He survived. Go you. Neither victim saw the attack. The attacker. Um, Carl had long, uh, so this is something interesting. So Carl had really long hair at the time, so the cops suspected that the shooter mistook him as a girl. So the shooter thought it was two women in the car, not a man and a girl. So now, that was October. Now let's bring us forward to November 27th, 1976, around midnight in Queens. Donna DeMassey and Joanne Lamino, they were 16 and 18 at the time. They were talking in Joanne's porch about the disco. Because um, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Everyone's talking about the disco. Because that's like fucking Corian's yes, life. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, uh, I, I, all I can think of is Star Wars disco music. So clearly, oh my gosh. ABBA. So clearly, like, I was not part of the disco. All I think of, do you know that song that I play sometimes where it's like, we're lost in music, feel so alive, I hit. No, I don't go clubbing that often. <laughs> what? No. You're I like, do, 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 yes, do, all I can hear is the cantina music. Yeah, the cantina <laughs> All I can hear when you oh say God. disco is oh cantina God. music from Star Wars. Disney, do not sue us. I am worth two dollars. <laughs> I like shittily do 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 that for like five like, seconds. We're good. Do, 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 do. They'll I'm be like on it though. They'll be like, fuck them. I'm yeah. currently like shaking my titties as we do it. I'm like, do 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 do. We have like two men in suits knock on our door in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're from Disney. Uh. I'm like, son of Sam. <laughs> uh, okay, so. They're talking about the disco, probably not the cantina by, from Star Wars. And a man in his 20s, dressed in military fatigues, walked up and in a high-pitched voice said, Can you tell me how to get to the... What? Whipped out a gun and bang, bang, shot the Wait, is this once. at night? Yes. This sounds like a David Lynch like scene. Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. You're just on the fucking porch, and then some dude in military fatigues with a feminine voice, Can obviously you tell acting. Me how to get to? I'm like yelling. Bang, bang. The phone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Shot them each twice. As they fell to the ground, 
shot them multiple times. Shit. I have to do sound effects. This what? is scary. Donna was shot in the neck, did not die. Joanne was shot in the spine, also did not die, but was, was paralyzed. paralyzed? Oh. Neighbors ran out and saw a man with blonde hair running away with a gun. Um, January 30th, 1977. So we have blonde hair and we have dark hair. Yes. Yeah. So we have a bunch of, yeah, people that are saying or talking about this uh, shooter. It's different descriptions so far. Yeah. Which is, pretty which is common sometimes. It is. Yeah. And um, there's also different heights involved and this and that. But I, yeah. and you know, the, the problem with the heights and the weight and things like that is when your adrenaline's pumping and you barely see someone for a second, unless they're super extremely tall or extremely short, like you're not going to really... Yeah. Know the difference. I've ever witnessed a crime. I'd be like, it was a girl. I'm like, maybe. It's <laughs> like, describe the girl. I was like, she had tits. <laughs> <laughs> she had tits. <laughs> You're like, I think she had tits or a big dick. I don't. Know. I, d- I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm a lot of a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm um, really under <laughs> Okay, so that was November. Um, now we're at January 30th, 1977. Early morning in Queens. Um, Christine Fr- Freund, who's 26, and her fiance John Deal, who's 30. They're sitting in John's car, probably making out and dipping, doing what fiancés do, um, when three gunshots hit their car. John suffered minor injuries. Christine died. Um, they did not see the attacker. This is finally the murder where police realized that some of these gun attacks were probably related. Um, all the victims had been struck with the 44 caliber bullets, mm-hmm. and it's mainly targeting women. Um, composite sketches were released of the black-haired shooter and the blonde shooter. Um, and police at this time started looking for multiple suspects. So this is when they started connecting the dots. This is the murder where they're like, you know, this is a little weird. This is all happening in the Queens area. Yeah. Or the Bronx. Mainly the Queen. One was the Bronx. Like, it's just too weird. Um, okay, so now let's fast forward to March 8th, 1977. 7.30 p.m. in Queens. Um, this is sad. So her name's Virginia Volsker. <laughs> this okay. is sad. This is all things sad. <laughs> all this is sad, but this is sad. This is sad. I'm going to take a drink before I continue this. Okay. Pause for alcoholism. Okay. Y'all ready to get sad? Yeah. So Virginia Volskerichian. Damn. Good 100% job. butchered that. Yeah. Maybe Volskerichian. I don't know. I don't know. She was 19. She was walking home and she was confronted by an armed man. In a desperate move to defend herself, she lifted up her textbooks between herself and the killer, but the makeshift shield was penetrated and the bullet, the bullets striking her in the head and instant killed her. So she tried to protect herself. She was so scared, threw up her books. So she was like, she was like walking home from studying at school and she got shot in the head and died. Right after the shooting, a neighbor who had heard the gunshots was walking towards the gunshots. Yeah. Um, he ne- he nearly collided with the person who he described as a short, husky boy, 16, 18 years old, clean-shaven, wearing a sweater and a watch. He was sprinting away from the scene. He ran to the guy, yelled, oh, Jesus, as he sprinted by. Others' neighbors claimed to, claimed to see the teenager. One person said they saw someone that looked like Berkowitz um, loitering separately in the area for about an hour before the shooting. Um, and so during the following days, the media started talking about how a chubby teenager could possibly be involved. So now we have three different descriptions of people, similar shootings. Yeah. We have a tall brunette, a blonde, and now a teenager, and now chubby, a chubby teenager. Yeah. So a bunch of different people are causing these shootings, or the police don't know, and it's all the same gun, it's all in the same areas, this and that. So now let's fast forward to April 17th, 1977, 3 o'clock in the morning. 
Uh, this is in the Bronx, which is a few blocks away from Donna and Jody's shooting, which is the very first shooting. Alexander Isu, who's 20, and Valentina Sarani, who's 18. They're sitting in the car, probably making out. Who knows? They were shot twice. Yes. Um, Valentina, <laughs> they were shot twice. Yes. <laughs> no, not to that. <laughs> to, 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 the, to the feeling each other up in the car. Yeah, you know, they were totally getting to least second base. Yeah, at least. Um, Val- Valentina's, like, ghosts on the bed, like, you know, those fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so Valentina died at the scene. Alexander died a few hours later. Police realized, oh, yeah, this is the same weapon used. They said their theory is that the, uh, the chubby boy, the chubby teenager... Um, was a witness, and the dark-haired man who shot Don and Joni is probably the suspect. What? Um, so that's, like, their newest theories. Damn. Um, so this is when it starts getting fucking crazy. So a letter was found near the bodies of Alexander and Valentina. Yeah. Okay. Written in mostly block letters, lots of spelling errors, and addressed to um, NYPD's Captain Joseph Borelli, um, there is this long fucking letter. I'm only going to read you some parts of the letter that really stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, I'm going to post the entire letter Ooh. and so you guys can read it yourself. Yeah. I'm just going, and you guys can decipher it and come up with your little fan theories, but I'm just going to read you a couple parts of it. So the very, at the very beginning, he says, I am deeply hurt by you calling me a weeman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I'm a little brat. When father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometime he tries to he ties me to the back of the house. Other time he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood, go out and kill, commands Father Sam. Another section of the letter. Um, I am the monster. Beelzebub, the chubby behemoth. I love to hunt, prowling the streets looking for fair game, tasty meat. The women of Queens are the prettiest of all. I must be the water they drink. I live for the hunt, my life, blood for Papa. And finally, the very ending of the letter. I don't want to kill anyone, no sir, no more, but I must. Honor thy father. I want to make love to the world. I love people. I don't belong on earth. Return me to yahoos, to the people of Queens. I love you. And I will want want to wish all of you a happy Easter. May God bless you in his life and the next. And for now, I say goodbye and goodnight. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 bang. Ugh. Yours and murder. Sincerely, Mr. Monster. Damn. So this fucking crazy letter. This fucking narcissistic psychopath. This narcissistic fucking psychopath left this letter next to the bodies. Yes, Corey's drinking. Same here. <laughs> I like flipped the bottle vertical. <laughs> I finished I it I like drowned. <laughs> and this is when Son of Sam is first introduced. The name. Son of Sam, because before they were referring him to his forty-four caliber killer. Yeah. This is when Son of Sam became a little bit more popular, or Mr. Monster. Okay, so they found that letter, and that was around April of 1977. Now fast forward to June 26, 1977, 3 a.m., Queens. Sal Lupo, who's 20, Judy Placido, 17, sitting in a parked car, the same thing, the same type of formula, parked car, sitting somewhere. Damn. Um, they were both shot three times. They survived, did not see the attacker. They this I added this part. They said literally the moment they were shot at is when they were talking about the son of Sam. Like they were saying what? the word son of Sam out loud. And ba 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 like they were shot Holy three times. Holy shit. I thought that was really fun. It was yeah, like that's little... creepy. They both lived, so I can say this is fun. Yeah. Um so two witnesses reported again a tall, dark haired man in a suit fleeing the area. Um 
Uh, one person saw a car. They got a partial license plate number. Another witness described a blonde man with a mustache who drove from the oh, scene. Oh, wow. Okay. So now we suddenly have both. Um, people are now speculating. Yeah, we have like two different descriptions that actually correlate to two other, other yeah, d- separate d- descriptions. Exactly. Yeah. So now people are saying, okay, well, the dark man is probably the shooter and the blonde man had like observed the crime. Like they're trying yeah. to connect where this all fits. Yeah. Because a lot of the times the dark haired man, but they're like, where does this blonde guy fucking yeah. fit in this? Or that chubby, t- that chubby, the teenager. chubby teenager. <laughs> um, so now the anniversary of the first shooting is coming up. So all this happened in the past year. Yeah. So police put up a bunch of tra- patrols in the Bronx and Queens because they're expecting a murder to happen at this point. So now July thirty first, nineteen seventy seven, in Brooklyn, not in Queens, not in the Bronx, totally separate area. Uh, Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Violante, both twenty. They were making out hard in a park. I literally have that. Making yes. out hard in a parked car bitch. in the park. Get it. Um, a man approached the car all Zodiac style. Just like rolled up and he's like. <gasps> and fucking Oh, shot that gave me them. chills. You're just knocking too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then just shot them each four times in the no. head. Stacey, have you seen the Zodiac? Uh, the movie? Yeah. No, I haven't. Holy Shockingly. shit. Shockingly. Chana, the opening scene is so disturbing. Well, it's in day, like broad daylight. And it's if you can really empathize and put yourself, which you can, I know you can. Um, it, It's so disturbing. I don't want to give anything away, but it is crazy fucking disturbing. I have done so much research on the Zodiac and watched so many documentaries and ID channel things. Like the Zodiac killer is probably... I mean, well, because he hasn't been caught, that adds a whole another element yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, But, like, the way he would kill people, like, literally, just, like, I have chills like, on my whole body. Like, without emotion, just total... Broad daylight, walk up to a car, bah, just bah, 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 fuck bah. you, yeah, bye. Or, like, you know how he dragged, like, the the boyfriend and the girlfriend out during, like, the picnic. Oh, Toulouse is trying oh, to come booze. in from another angle. Hello, Toulouse. Oh, hey, booze. Like, the Zodiac Killer, like, that will be a combined episode for sure. Because yeah, that's yeah. going to be, like, a three-parter. Oh, totally. Because the Zodiac is, like, insane to me. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay, so anyways, so July 31st, Stacy and Robert were both shot Zodiac style. Uh, he shot them both both four times in the head. Stacy died. Robert survived. In parentheses, I literally have LOL how, <laughs> but uh, he pretty much went blind. Like, this fucker was shot in his head oh four times gosh. and lived. So he's obviously here for some reason like i don't care yeah go him like if god's real god's not real i don't care like he is here for something because he got shot in the head four times and lived he got shot four times and all he is blind like he's just blind like i mean that's terrible and shitty but like he didn't die he's not paralyzed he didn't go deaf or he's not like he has all of his speech his memories isn't that he's just blind like i don't i literally don't understand how it's possible anyways um, this crime had more interest, had more witnesses than any other crime. Cause this is public in a park. There's so yeah. many witnesses here, witnesses. It's like wild. I'm only going to talk about the big ones where they like had a lot to say or some really important evidence, but just know like there's probably twice as many witnesses yeah, that I'm sure, mentioning yeah. right now. So one direct witness, his name's Tommy Zeno. He has parked this date three cars in front of the vehicle that was shot at. Right before the shooting, he caught a glimpse of the shooter's approach, and he looked at the exact time of the shooting. So he literally looked in his rearview mirror and saw a man walk up and just shoot. Um, he saw he clearly saw the perpetrator for several seconds and described him as being twenty five to thirty, being between five foot seven and nine, with shaggy hair that was dark blonde or light brown. So now we're again we're seeing a five nine guy with brown hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he said his hair looked like a wig. A minute after the, shoot- after the shooting, 
A woman seated next to her boyfriend in her car clearly saw a white male who was wearing a light-colored, cheap nylon wig sprint from the park and enter a small, light-colored auto, which drove away quickly. So now we have someone saying they saw a blonde. So now we're having both people being seen. Yeah, and still those same two descriptions. Exactly. And then two more witnesses described a yellow Volkswagen bug. Shout out to Ted Bundy. Yep. Um, And then finally, Thomas Scally, he was sitting in a parked car with his girlfriend in Queens when a yellow Volkswagen bug pulled up and parked right next to him. And I mean, like, parked within three inches. Like, they were, like, touching. And the dude looked over, and the guy was wearing fucking pantyhose over his what face. What the fuck? That is so freaky. Yeah. I would be like, we're dead. I'd be like, girl, we're dead. Like, rear view, like, side mirrors, touching tips. And, like, a dude walks up and just, like, <laughs> And then he has, like, you. fucking, oh, my God. Oh, Ugh. God. I'm so scared. Okay, so Thomas, because uh, he is a straight white male, he had a gun with him. And, was, <laughs> and he pointed the gun towards the driver of the Volkswagen Bug. Go him. Yeah, go you. Um, the driver got scared, uh, sped off. Thomas was brave, and he chased them. His girlfriend was probably what the like, fuck? what the fuck? Oh, my God. Girl, tuck and roll. Tuck and <laughs> roll. <laughs> so Thomas chased him to a point in Glen Oaks, which is in Queens, which is like an area in Queens. Um, the driver jumped out and sprinted off. Um, Thomas then called the Son of Sam hotline, which what was a hotline that? that was set up just for tips oh, for yeah, this yeah. killer. Because there are so many tips and in, 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 uh viewers of yeah. him um so glen oaks later was revealed to be the home of son of sam's berkowitz's half-sister and it was close to the site of a bunch of other murders so um he pretty much led him right to his house yeah so police somehow because police did not hear about about the shooting in the park until later in the evening and originally for mysteries to me they did not think it was son of sam um and then they eventually realized Okay, this is the forty-four caliber. It is Son of Sam. So that's when they set up roadblocks. They questioned drivers and specifically light-colored Volkswagen owners. Because yeah. that is the car that repeatedly has been seen. So um, Berkowitz, um, Son of Sam, his 1974 door yellow Ford Galaxy was among the cars that they actually investigated. They pulled him over, police officers. Police initially considered him as a possible witness rather than a suspect. So they're like, hey, we'll talk to you later. Go home. We'll catch up. Yeah. Um, now we're at August 9th, uh, 1977. New York PD detective James Justice asked the Yonkers Police Department, Honkers. The, the for, Honkers Police the Department. The Honkers Police Excuse Department. Excuse me. For some help tracking down uh, Berkowitz for that witness interview that they talked to him about. So now flash forward to the next day, August 10th. Um, Yonkers police investigated Berkowitz's car and they saw a rifle in the backseat. A duffel bag full of ammo, maps of crime, seas, crime scenes, and letters addressed to the task force and NYPD and things like that. So a bunch of Son of Sam letters. Uh, at that point, they're like, okay, this is obviously our guy. They waited outside for him to leave his apartment. He eventually left around 10 p.m., so they waited a long time. He entered his car. Um, Detective John Falatico walked up to the driver's side of the car. Um, he pointed the gun to Berkowitz's temple. While Detective Sergeant William Gardella pointed his gun from the passenger side and they arrested him. Um, there's two different reports of the conversation they had, both equally as weird from Son of Sam's perspective. Um, I'll post them on Instagram. I just don't really want to go into it. So then police searched his apartment and this is when it gets super fun. They found a bunch of satanic graffiti on the walls and three diaries. Classic. All filled with details of hundreds, if not thousands, of crimes and arsons he claimed to commit around what? New York. So it's just entry after entry after yeah. entry after entry of sh- wild shit. The next day, August 11th, he, convi- he confessed 
only after 30 minutes of questioning. 30 minutes? Yeah. They're like, did you do it? He's like, yeah. Um, during questioning. <laughs> did you do it? No. Did you do it? Yeah. Did you do it? Mm-hmm. Did you do it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, did. Yeah, I fucking did. Um, during questioning, Berkowitz has claimed. So this is when it gets fun. This uh-huh. is like, I, I read this and this is when I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm doing this for my podcast. So during questioning, uh, Berkowitz claimed that his neighbor's dog was one of the reasons that he killed, um, stating that the, the dog fuck? demanded the blood of pretty young girls. What? He said that um, the Sam mentioned in the first letter was his former neighbor, Sam Carr. Berkowitz claimed that Carr's black Labrador, Lab, uh, Labrador retriever, Harvey, was possessed by an ancient demon what? and that it issued irresistible commands that Berkowitz must kill people. First of all, what black Labrador retriever is evil enough to be possessed by a demon? Right, but what's interesting... The answer is zero. What's interesting to me is how when you look into classic hauntings and things like that, I guess not necessarily classic hauntings, but hauntings, um, some of the time they mention how, um, you know, there could be a dog, like a black dog that appears, and that's like a hell dog. Yeah, yeah, hell dog will... take you to hell in a sense yeah yeah and so that's what was interesting to me was that he said his neighbor sam had a dog like the son of sam it was black who was black so a hell dog and that yeah. he was possessed and told him to kill people um anyway so in a letter to the new york post dated september 19 1977 berkowitz alluded to his original story of demonic possession but closed with a warning that has been inter- that that has been interpreted by some investigators as a way of him telling him there are multiple multiple people involved he said there are other Sams out there. God help the world. What? So at this point, they know that there's been different reports of different looking people doing it. And now suddenly, yeah. Berkowitz is kind of like three main that. descriptions. Yeah, where he says there are other Sams out there. God help the world. So sentencing, um, there, were, there was three separate mental health evaluations that were done, obviously, all concluding that he was competent to, say, to stand trial. He um, pleaded guilty to all the shootings on May 8th, 1978. Um, however, at his sentencing, he tried to jump out of the courtroom window. They were seven floors Whoa. up. As he was restrained, he repeatedly chanted, Stacy was a whore. I'd kill her again and kill them all again. Stacy was the one from the Zodiac style Whoa, killing. Oh, that's creepy. Um, so, yeah. So, he's fucking wild. So, again, they're like, let's check this guy for his yeah, mental health. His, yeah, um, during the evaluation, he drew a sketch of a jailed man surrounded by numerous walls. At the bottom, he wrote, I am not well. Not well at all. Somehow he was determined competent for trial. June twelfth, he was sentenced. He was sentenced to twenty five to life for each mur- murder, all served consecutively. The terms of Berkowitz's guilty plea made him eligible for parole after twenty five years. Whoa! So there are some satanic satanic cult claims, which is our favorite thing in the world. Yes. So after his admission to another prison, because he like hopped around a bunch of prisons, that type of shit, mm-hmm. which is probably common. I don't know. Um, he began to claim that he joined a satanic cult in the spring of 1975. These are before the murders started. Me too. Same, same. Um, in 1993, um, Berkowitz made these claims known when he announced to the press that he had only killed three of the Son of Sam victims. He said that he and several other cult members were involved in every incident by planning the events, providing early surveillance of the victims, and acting as lookouts and drivers at the crime scenes. Whoa. Berkowitz stated that he could not divulge the names of most of his accomplices without putting his family directly at risk. Berkowitz did, however, name two of the cult members, John and Michael Carr. The two men um, were sons of the dog owner's son of Carr, or sorry, Sam Carr, and they lived on a nearby Warburton Avenue. So Sam was the one that had the dog. 
So Michael, the dog's the cult leader. So Michael and John were the sons of Sam. Damn. So Sam is the cult leader. They are all the sons of Sam. Yeah. Who was being controlled by the dog. Whoa. Both of the other sons of Sam were long dead. John Carr killed himself. Michael Carr died in a car accident. What? Um, Berkowitz claimed that the actual perpetrator of the Donna Masai, uh, Mas- DeMassey, sorry, and Joanne Lumino shooting was John Carr. And he added that a Yonkers police officer, also cult member, was involved in this crime. So now he's saying that there's a cult involved. He has two yeah. names. He's saying the police is involved, this, this, that. Um, the case was reopened, but was eventually suspended due to lack of ed- evidence slash findings. What I think was interesting about this is that there's so many different witness accounts of what the people look like that it's not that hard to believe that there could be. To like, believe, yeah, involved. that what he said is true. Because, yeah, because yeah. there was blondes, there was bonnets, there was a ch- chubby teenager, this and that. Like, yeah. And he said how different people would be lookouts in the getaway car and the shooters and this and that. And the blondes and brunettes, like, show up multiple times. Yeah, exactly. And different he's brunette, killings. And, like, I'm sure, like, Michael or John Carr was blonde and this yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah. And they'd all be considered the sons of Sam. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's totally yeah. crazy for yeah. that Yeah, like, maybe it could thing. be... The serial killer just making shit up so he gets more attention, yeah. or it really could be valid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's the the whole satanic claim is just really interesting to me. And I mean, he's obviously whacked, and like, you know, you saw the satanic graffiti in his house and this and that, like the hell dog, his neighbor. I mean, he's yeah. fucking crazy. It's just he's either in totally insane, or I mean, maybe he's right. I don't know. Maybe there are more killers. But the thing is, the two people that he could name, they're both already dead, so we'll never know. True. So my question to you, Corey, is anyways, <laughs> how's your fucking sex life? Not as exciting as that. <laughs> Not as exciting as Son of Sam's sex life. Yeah, I wish. No, wait. <laughs> wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, he didn't rape anyone. <laughs> no, he didn't. Good. That's good. Um, I, I Things are good. I'm having fun. How about, how about you? I mean, Pride's in what? A week, yeah, three Corey's days. Yeah, about to get his dick sucked hard. Yeah, hard. Totally hard. I'm and excited. I'm about to suck Jordan's dick hard. Hard, <laughs> so yeah, totally hard. Jordan is my boyfriend, my man's. Since. Yes, he, he he sneezed a couple times in the background, if you heard that, like about about 20 minutes ago. Cute. Yeah, it was He's cute. allergic to the cats, but he's a good beb because oh. he uh, loves them and hangs around them and sees sleeps with them every day. That's yeah, cute. Jordan and I have been dating since like February, March. Uh, we've Corey and I have both known him for about a year and a half. Uh huh. And we met him through our friend Chris, who has been. Bakes. Who's, we met him through Chris, who's friends with Bakes. Who's friends with Bakes? And yeah. we've known Bakes for like I've known him for five years. Yeah. Corey's known him for like seven. I went. I went on a Mormon mission with Bakes. Yes, that's a backstory. For that's us. a backstory. Backstory. That's Corey like a t- thirty-minute backstory. Yeah, Corey and I both grew up Mormon. Yeah. We're not anymore. Flashbacks. Why? Corey's a gay man. Yeah. I'm a woman. That's yeah. why. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's how pretty much our whole group came together was the church. So, thanks. Thanks? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? But we stay together because of Son of Sam. So, thank you, Son yeah, of Sam. thank you, Satan. Wait, what? Okay, yeah. So, let's stop there. Oh, you're still listening, you sneaky sluts. Uh, since you're still listening, you might as well go check out our Instagram, which is anyways, how's your sex life? And that's anyways... A-N-Y-W-A-Y-S-H-O-W-S-Y-O-U-R-S-E-X-L-I-F-E. 
Um, if you didn't get that, go fuck yourself. Just look at the name of the podcast. Um, you can also talk to us on Twitter or Facebook. You can reach us at um, A-H-Y-S-L podcast, or you can go ahead and email us A-H-Y-S-L podcast at gmail.com. Man, fuck the people who chose like such a difficult name. I know, right? Those fucking <laughs> bastards. Fuck them. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, you're still listening, you sneaky sluts. Uh, since you're still listening, you might as well go check out our Instagram, which is anyways, how's your sex life? And that's anyways, A-N-Y-W-A-Y-S-H-O-W-S-Y-O-U-R-S-E-X-L-I-F-E. Um, <laughs> if you didn't get that, go fuck yourself. Just look at the name of the podcast. Um, you can also talk to us on Twitter or Facebook. You can reach us at um, A-H-Y-S-L podcast, or you can go ahead and email us A-H-Y-S-L podcast at gmail.com. Man, fuck the people who chose, like, such a difficult name. I know, right? Those fucking <laughs> bastards. Fuck them. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.